the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. That's me. almost impossible not to dance to that you know i gotta redo that intro Never. i'm forgetting one thing what's that the esquire <laughs> is missing from that intro it's doing you a disservice you know what it absolutely is and i feel humbly and you should apologetic and for you that. should yes yes because we need the esquire in there so we're getting ready for the free agency market in the nhl um world july 1st and the nhl drafts is done in philadelphia this weekend in um We've got Mark Osborne, former Toronto Maple Leaf and Leafs TV analyst and commentator on board with us today to talk about the Maple Leafs crush last year and, and the rebuilding. The, the Leafs are going to be loading up, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Oh they're, the oh, they're, oh, they're loading, Jerry. <laughs> oh, they're loading. <laughs> yeah, pant load, maybe, but we'll see uh, how well they do this year. Yeah, and we're going to talk with Mark about the changes in the brass with uh, oh, yeah. Shanahan BS. coming in and Tim Lywicki and switching it all up and see what we're going to have in October. But didn't we do this a couple of years ago when we got the other guy You in? wait and see. This year, I'm going to actually put my finger down the and say... Yeah, the truculent. Yeah, we need to be more truculent. Yeah, Brian Burke. Uh, no, this is a different approach. We're not going to go with the uh, you know the domination of Brian Burke. We're going to go with the creativity and leadership of Tim Liewicki, So And then Shanahan's just going to drag him into the hall and punch Sh- the hell out of them, right? No, Shanahan's the guy who uh, Liewicki's actually said, hey, here's a winner here. He's proven it many times. Hall of Famer coming inside. And how can we do things differently in Toronto? Awesome. Let's get him on the phone. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Listen Up Talk Radio and RTDS. Hi, it's Paul Capelcante, host of The Vinyl Experience, with a couple of magic numbers for you to remember. This is real simple. Are you ready? Here we go. Nine and three. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 9 p.m., and for good measure, 3 a.m. on Monday. This is all Eastern Time. Your time's for The Vinyl Experience. Chuck's world of infinite mojo, 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 mojo. Yeah, we stole that. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the uh, previously mentioned Chuck's world of infinite mojo and listen to talk radio. That's me. It is you. So we uh, we shouldn't be talking about hockey right now because it's it's the end of June, but we have the NHL draft coming up down in Philadelphia this weekend. We just. It's like NHL is like 364 days a year. And it should be. It's the greatest, okay. fastest, most... In, you know, I'm watching soccer these days. And I'm just like, you know what? That, that sport would be amazing if you took the pitch, you halved it, you took 11 players and went to six, took away the grass, put it on ice, gave them six and a puck instead of a ball. You had the greatest, fastest sport in the entire world right there. So you're kicking a soccer ball in skates. 
Well, no, you just missed my joke about, you know, transforming soccer to hockey. But thank you, Todd, for that. <laughs> I was trying to reimagine it, you know? No, I'm trying to take soccer and say you can make a few changes to it, make it the greatest sport in the world, which is hockey. Yeah. And the world doesn't seem to understand that. But my next guest actually does get that. He does understand it. He's a former Toronto Maple Leaf himself, two-time. Uh, and he's also currently with the Toronto Maple Leafs Alumni Association. And as well, he's a Leafs commentator on Leafs TV. Mark Osborne, are you joining us today? I'm hearing you. I'm live and in person, Chuckles. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so listen, Mark, we're going to talk to uh, to you today, and I'm going to actually put all the onus on top of you, yeah. because uh, you and I went to uh, the Flyers game uh, March the 8th, and that was the last game before the Leafs actually packed it in, and they okay. went on a horrendous slide after that game, so I'm going to take all responsibility for that. And uh, in your eyes... Uh, Bernier goes down, Reimer comes in, didn't play great, but didn't play poorly in my opinion. But what do you think happened on that slide? Oh, you know what? I think it was a a combination of a lot of things, Chuck. I mean, it's hard to necessarily put a, you know, a finger on one thing in particular. I mean, you know, let's face it, it it almost seemed as though um, it was the perfect storm per se. I mean, we've seen this... uh, 18 wheeler go off the uh, the gardener at uh, at a few times different times right over the last many years I I don't think anyone saw this one actually unfolding and coming because of you know up until the point of which you mentioned you know the leaf season had been you know going pretty well as would be and you could say that they would be right in the hunt with the majority of teams in the eastern conference until Yes, that injury occurred with, uh, you know, Jonathan Bernier during the L.A. game, if you remember. The Leafs were on that uh, road trip to death in Southern California. They ended up winning two out of three games there, much to everybody's surprise. Reimer came in in that L.A. game, uh, uh, you know, when Bernier got hurt, stood on his head. The Leafs then had to travel all the way to Washington. um, And, you know, that's a long trip, you know, coast to coast. uh, Didn't have their legs. I thought Rhymes actually played not too badly. It was then against the Grand Rapids Griffins with the next part of their final uh, journey on this road trip uh, against Detroit where, you know, Randy made some comments about Rhymes' performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rhymes' agent got involved, and that, I think, really created a, a nice media frenzy here in Toronto, which I think, um, you know, touched off a bunch of things. Uh, you know, the schedule became just as tough. Uh, I think the Leafs uh, were either fatigued or tired. It seemed like, you know, Randy was riding his horses. It caught up with them with, you know, Van Riemsdyk and Kessel. Rhymes was average at best. Uh, and then it just, it, it just you know, it, it fell apart. Uh, it fell apart like no one could imagine. And I think the most disappointing thing, even though, with about five or six games to go, uh, there was still a chance that they might be able to run the table. But if you remember, Winnipeg came into town with oh, about yeah. four games to go, and they basically mailed it in. And I think that just typified the iceberg of, of the lack thereof of leadership and character on this team, which uh, you know ended up causing a form of change when Shanahan came in and so forth and, and so on. I mean, I know that's a long-winded answer, but... That's uh, you know kind of a, a synopsis of, of what occurred and, and where things are now headed uh, with the same coach in place and the same personnel and we enter the draft and let's see how this team 
team, you know, changes over the course of this summer with Shanahan as president now. Yeah, and I remember when you and I were sitting in the morning skate for the Winnipeg game, and I asked you what the score of the game was going to be, and you said they're going to mail it in, and they actually did mail it in. Um, moving forward from that, it was kind of like everyone just said, okay, let's look forward to the next season. Yeah. Um, so I was actually really surprised that they kept Carlisle because yeah. they had a chance to, uh, to, to bring in another coach, uh, at least have some interviews, have some talks around, and they, and they renewed his contract. Um, so what do you see moving forward with Randy Carlisle now? Well, obviously it was an interesting move, um, you know, to, to, to use the argument maybe when Randy first took the job, uh, you know, just over a couple of years ago when he came in and, and was basically given Scott Gordon and Greg Cronin as his assistant coaches. Yeah. Yes, he brought in Dave Farish, but... You know, usually when you give a coach a, a job, he gets to, you know, select and bring in his staff. Yeah. Um, you know, successful real first year, although it locked, you know, shortened season, the lockout occurred, you know, the, the uh, collapse in Boston and all that. But there was some, you know, some optimism to build on. Uh, you know, I, I look at this team that's been assembled thus far, um, and I just, you know, I see Randy, I played with Randy. I know he's an old-school demanding um you know, communication is a little bit different, maybe, you know, um, but the way Randy communicates is, is like, he spells it out and lets the players decide. Like, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of black and white for Randy. And, uh, and yet now uh, I saw, I saw the team basically, I think, tune him out. And for him now to come back, um, you know, with this current, uh, you know, group in place is, is, is a surprising thing, but you know, maybe there's uh, assistants that get named, you know, that may be able to be the buffer and improve the lines of communication because I did not see that as a, in a positive role with the assistant coaches that they had. So, um, you know, Randy still is a good coach, but yet this personnel, um, the core group of players, which he got some good out of, you know, there were positives with Van Riemsdyk and Kessel and Bernier. So, I think at the end of the day, they're giving Randy another opportunity, and and uh, let's see where this team goes from here. Well, moving forward inside of that, we've got a lot of working on to do. I would say that uh, with JVR, Kessel, um, obviously um, you got Lupul as well, Bernier, you got four, the top line and Lupul. Yeah. Um, that to me, you're going to build around. So that leaves a whole lot of other people left. Uh, and I want to stick on Kadri right now because I don't see Kadri fitting into the uh, to the equation. Uh, when you and I were down at the Marlies game, we had a chance to talk to John Ferguson Jr. And uh, I was asking him. Uh, he's a you know scout for the San Jose Sharks now. And I was asking him, you know, you've had a good season so far. What happens with you guys moving forward? You know, running into another 100-point team in the first round. And he's just looking, if we don't get out of the first round, you're going to see some major changes. And sure enough, that's come down. And we've had some big rumors that Big Joe Thornton will waive his no-trade clause to come to Toronto. And I want to see if uh, that's a possibility of a trade to get rid of Kadri, throw down Reimer, a few more, you know, bodies to head down and get Big Joe. What do you think about that? Um... Well, certainly, uh, I would be very interested in that. I, I know that there's a lot of criticism that's been levied towards Joe Thornton and his, you know, lack thereof or inability, perhaps, to you know close things out as, you know, one-time captain of the Sharks. Is he still the captain? I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between him and Marlow. I think he Marlo. still is the captain, <laughs> but. But actually, I think it would probably be a positive change <coughs> for Joe, and I, I like the idea of, 
of bringing a guy like Joe Thornton to Toronto. Southern Ontario boy, uh, I think there's enough uh, you know contractual space that the Leafs could obviously afford to take. They they need uh, uh, a leader. You know, I know some would argue that well, you're not getting much of a leader, but but I think that there's character and, and stuff with Joe Thornton, and in some respects is is um, uh, I don't know some of the criticism due to him. I, I don't think is necessarily warranted. So, you know, if, if you're asking me if Kadri is part of that package, um, Chuck, I think you and I would drive to where Nazem is and and take him <laughs> to San Jose gladly because no, this is this is you know again my my personal honest opinion of what I like in a player. Uh, Naz has got some skill. Uh, there's a lot of parts of his game and his. Um, makeup that just really don't don't sit well with me, and so if I could get Joel Thornton and Cadres in the mix, uh, I'm happy to do that. Now, do you throw in do you throw in restricted free agent James Reimer in that mix? Uh, I don't I don't know if you do. Uh, I think the I, I think the you know the jury is still out on what's going to happen with James. I mean, all indications are the way that they have treated Bernier. Um, the, the way that James's confidence has been really, uh, I mean, he needs to be re- rehabilitated. And yet at the other end of things, where is the depth in Leafs net? <laughs> I mean, what's, what if Bernie gets hurt again? Yeah. Where, where are you turning to? You know, Drew McIntyre doing a fantastic job in the minors with the Marlies is, is a UFA. Um, I don't look at anyone else in their organization. Like, you got this young kid in junior, you know, Bebo, I believe, who played with Valdor, but... I mean, these guys are not ready, you know. So, uh, an interesting, and is there a lot of quality, you know, backups or starting goaltenders that you can throw into the mix? Uh, you know, that uh, it'll be certainly interested uh, to see what happens with Rhymes as well. You know, it's too bad because I remember when that debacle went sideways, I sent a tweet out to uh, April Reimer. And uh, it came back as just an absolute travesty for the Leafs Nation to trounce on one of the kindest, most outgoingly uh, great customer service experience of, of, of a player and a human being in James Reimer. And it was just really, really sad to see how he single-handedly took the Leafs on their, his shoulders last year, uh, won some games in the playoffs that they shouldn't have won, and how they just, you know, in his moment of need, instead of supporting him, they just trounced on him. So... I hope that James Reimer goes somewhere. As, uh, I'd like to see go back to Winnipeg, you know, to be a Manitoba yeah. boy, to go back yeah. home and do that. But I wish him the absolute best because he deserves the best, and I don't think that's what he's going to get in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, and I really hope that um, we can send him free with all the best wishes for his career moving forward and him and April actually get a well, chance already, to get there. You've already got him out the door. Well, I, I, I got him out the door because he deserves to go out the door uh, and not be around Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Like, I really well, believe that uh, they, they try well, Back on them. But but like uh, unlike the Philadelphia Flyer fans, you know who usually kind of uh, <laughs> you know rag on their goaltenders to to no end. I think there there has been a a voice, no question, that has been a detriment to James here in this city. But but I think for the most part, uh, you know Chuck, that what you just described and how you describe James is what the majority of people you know view him as. I mean, if you you want to take the minority that's uh, you know, are going to, you know, tweet a bunch of negative things to his wife, you know, are going to give him the Bronx cheers. I mean, I think majority of people don't necessarily feel the same way towards the, 
the goaltender and or certainly the person. I mean, he's still a really well-liked kid, yeah. you know, here in this city. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, uh, it's Bernier's job now. And if James wants to <clears throat> regain his career uh, and wants to be the starter, which he has been accustomed to being, uh, it's an adjustment for him. And if he at one point decides to accept a backup role, you know, a.k.a. Uh, a Johan Hedberg, a Scott Clemenson, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like maybe he might be destined for that um, at, at some point, but I think he's not going to give up that, uh, you know, that pursuit and also the work required to become a number one guy again. I think that's every goalie's ambition, and James falls into that category yeah. as well. Well, we're going to pick that up on the on the flip side of this, and we're going to talk about a little bit more leadership and Tim Liewicki's vision for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're listening with Mark Osborne. And we're going to talk about who's driving the 18-wheeler off the gardener next year, right? Because as Oz says, there's there's been a lot of drivers of that 18-wheeler, and hopefully no one will step up next year. We'll keep it on the gardener. You're listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Hey, Paul Cavalcante here from the Vinyl Experience Radio Show, Sunday mornings. You provide the bagels and the coffee and the newspaper, and I'll spin the records at 9 a.m. And then an encore at 3 p.m. Missed out? You'll catch the show again at 9 p.m. on Sundays and again at 3 a.m. Monday morning. The Vinyl Experience, 9 and 3. That's all you need to know. Oh, 33, 45, and 78 are important numbers, too, but you get the idea. Welcome back to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, or as we like to call it around here, whatever the hell's on Chuck's mind, on radio that doesn't suck. You're hanging with us in Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. And not only are you hanging with us in Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, but you've got the legendary Mark Osborne on the line as well. Mark, you still there? Legendary. Legendary. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of legendary, we're going to talk about some Hall of Famers right now. So real easy, this uh, this selection committee throws on Blake. They throw Madonna out there. You got Dominic Kashuk in the mix, which is a first-time no-brainer. Um, and uh, who am I missing from the top four? You're not. You got Pat Burns, Burns. in there and uh, Blake McCreary as a referee. Well, I was actually going to tell you about Pat Burns, because, you know, it's been a long time coming, and Grapes is probably smiling down from wherever he's sitting right now. Uh, Pat Burns finally gets his nod into the Hall of Fame. You actually played for Pat Burns. So uh, tell me what it was like to play for the new Hall of Fame, Pat Burns. Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously I look back on my, you know, 16 career, and, and, you know, there are two coaches that I have, uh, you know, great fond memories of. You know, one already is in the Hall of Fame, and that's Herb Brooks, who... Yeah. You know, we, we know took the uh, U.S. team to Olympic gold in 1980. Miracle nice. to play for, for Herb. Herb was on the cutting edge of uh, of just physical fitness and, and X's and O's and, and all of that as the game, you know, continued to change in the early 80s. But, you know, Burnsy, obviously, for Leaf fans in, in, you know, southern Ontario with, you know, what we were able to, I think, passion returning to, you know, the Maple Leafs after the, you know, the... Carol Ballard days, the you know the interesting days per se of the '80s. Um, you know, Pat. I think his whole demeanor, his personality, uh, you know, his approach to the game just really typified, and I think everybody embraced um, you know what was uh, occurring with the team. And you know, of course, Pat led the charge. Um, you know, former Montreal cop. I mean, blue collar, 
rides Harleys, loves country music, played in a band, uh, no nonsense, uh, you know, abrasive. Uh, you know, you think about him trying to get at Barry Melrose in the Stanley Cup semifinals <laughs> in 93. I mean, what's there not to like about Pat Burns? And, you know, the motivation part of, uh, of playing for Pat Burns is that he demanded a lot. You know, practices were tough. There was a real respect factor there. You know, deep down as a player, there was always that sense of, oh, no, like, oh, you know, what practice is going to be like tomorrow, boys, if we don't get our act together? Or, you know, so there was a healthy... You know, almost like a father-son fear where you had respect for your dad. And, you, you know, I remember as a kid, like, my dad coming down the hallway and you can hear that belt jingling. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to get it. So, yeah. you know, Burnsy, uh, you know, took that same approach. And, and I've told others that, uh, but there was also a, a personal and a human side of him that, uh, you know, unlike a Scotty Bowman, which would never look a player in the eye, or, you know, or a Mike Keenan or, you know, a John Tortorella that would, you know, kind okay, of... Yeah. Now, Ron Wilson be condescending to some players, you know, like, like think about it. Think about it in these terms. Uh, we refer to a John Tortorella. Just if you remember how he told Carl Hagelin he absolutely stunk, you know, yeah. and that was his player. Like, Pat would never do that. And, uh, and so, you know, we have a guy who, you know, and arguably so, you know, may have been, uh, you know, selected a number of years ago was not, and yet, uh, you know, gets his due, uh, albeit, you know, uh, it's it's for his family now, um, yeah. and yet we're uh, obviously uh, very fond of uh, of Pat because all of us as players uh, love playing for him. Well, getting you guys back to the form that you had in ninety two ninety three when you made the the back to back conference finals, uh, we got the draft coming up in Philadelphia this weekend. So, what do you think the Leafs are really shopping for right now? What do you think moves sideways or happens between now and then, or July first for free agency signing that changes the lineup in October? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think when you listen to others, uh, I think uh, you know almost this has become a very intriguing part of uh, you know the NHL calendar, where <clears throat> you know it used to be that you know there wasn't a lot of things per se, that necessarily would occur at draft time, especially when we've got into this cap era. But I think the last couple of years we've seen some movement, which has been kind of neat. You go back to last year, I was in the draft at New Jersey where, you know, Corey Schneider gets traded to Jersey. You know, that was a significant move. Um, And so then you see with the Leafs and the promise already from, you know, Tim Laiwiki and, you know, Brendan Shannon, there are going to be some changes uh, they've got players that are UFAs that they need to consider signing. What about a David Bolin? What's going to happen with James Reimer? Uh, are they going to test free agency? Are they going to move up the draft? What about Dion Phaneuf? I mean, there's a lot of things that have been already surfacing about the Leafs, but yet, um, you know, if they stay in their eighth draft position, um, you know, they're obviously going to get the best player that's available. I, I never believe that teams necessarily draft based on positional needs you, you draft the you dress you draft the best player regardless yeah. um and you know uh, i think the Leafs will fall into that category they need you know obviously help on on a number of fronts and so you know let's see how that all plays out and and if in fact uh, there's any movement with uh you know, the Leafs moving up in the draft as, uh, you know, they're certainly interested in the first overall pick and could use a guy like uh, Ekblad from Barry on defense. So give me, so give me point blank, give me the lineup changes that you see that are not going to be in the lineup from what we had 
in April to what you see in opening day in October? Who's not going to be there? Who's gone? Who's staying? Point blank changes. You're you're asking me to like be a soothsayer. <laughs> you're, like good a crack in a, you're good at that. You're good at that. I like that. Yeah. Huh? You're good at that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I think you know. First and foremost, uh, I, I looked at there's going to be a change in the center ice position, and uh, I'd be surprised if Nazem Kadri's back. Okay. Uh, you know, so, so he's there, gone. There, there's one position. I think they really like to sign David Bolin, but yet I think from a, just a management standpoint or a fiscal responsibility standpoint, like coming back from that injury, yeah. you know, where does David Bolin, what is his monetary value? I think he's got leadership. Um, I think he plays at both ends of the ice. There's a lot of, of uh, to like about David Bolin, but can he rebound back from another significant injury? And, of course, uh, the mulligan is out for David Clarkson. They're going to give him another opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I think Hope it works that, out. that's the intriguing part what for about, me. What about D'Anfinoff? Does he go to a second-line role and have a first-line pairing being brought in? Yeah, Hopefully. who's that? How are you going to bring a first-line pairing, Chuck? Okay, so I'm not asking you to do it, Oz. I'm just asking <laughs> you, like, hey, listen, well, you know what? To, here's the thing with me. Fanuff is, um, you know, he, first of all, I don't really like him so much. Yeah. Uh, it's not like we actually call each other. But at the same time, I'll give him his acknowledgement for playing a first-line pairing when he's not a first-line pairing defenseman. He's been playing way too many minutes, eight or seven, ten minutes more than he should be pay- playing on a second pairing. And he's taking it on the chin everywhere because of that. And that's not fair to him. So if you're able to find somebody who's got some leadership, and I'm going to say uh, he's not your leader in your dressing room. So you need to bring in a leader. You need to make things move. Lywicky's a guy who's going to do it. He's got Shanahan in his back pocket who's going to get out there and do it. Give me some leadership moving forward. Who do they bring in that's got some leadership? Well, you know what? I'm on the same page with you. Uh, uh, you know, from a, just a pure... Uh, you know, captain that, uh, you know, having lived through the Doug Gilmore, Matt Sundin, Wendell Clark era, I mean, I, I know it was a risk that Brian Burke took, and they were hoping that Dion's game could go from where it kind of regressed in Calgary to, to, to um, you know, finding himself or giving him some responsibility, some maturity. Um, I don't think Dion's a, a bad defenseman. Like He's and, a second-pairing uh, defenseman. You know, Huh? Sec- he's a second-pairing defenseman at best. Okay, okay. Let's let's go no through leadership. all the other twenty-nine teams <laughs> in the National Hockey League, and I'll say, okay, you might be able to come up with half of those teams that have top-pairing defensemen. So yeah, you know, so yeah, he, you know, whether on a great team, you know, is he? Uh, but Ozzy, you know, they're he- paying him eight million dollars a year, which is top-pairing defenseman dollars. Yeah. You can't pay a top pairing defenseman dollars and expect him to play up to a top pairing. He's a second pairing guy. Just because you give him more money doesn't necessarily mean he's going to. In fact, it doesn't usually always means that he's not going to give yeah, you so, that. So, so, Chuck, I think, I think you and I are on the same page. And my own, again, this isn't personal. This is just my hockey talk, my yeah. own uh, you know, wish list for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you know, they were obviously stuck in a position to pay, pay Dion. Uh, you know, now they're going to be in a position that, you know, can they move him? Uh, they'll have to absorb some of that contract and, and hopefully, uh, you know, be able to, to draft a stud defenseman. Do you think he's back? Um, but yet the, the question will be, you know, a void of leadership on that team still. Like, you're just not going to go find a free agent. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get a guy of character 
Um, you're not going to be able to draft a, a Gabriel Landeskog per se, and then, yeah. you know, two years or whatever, he's a, a young captain on your hockey club that's, you know, rebuilding. It's just. Do you, you think Dion Phaneuf comes back? And does, uh, and does he have the C next year? You know what? I, I think anything is possible, um, and so I'm just as intrigued as as each of you. I, I can see Dion moving, and I go that didn't surprise me. I can see Dion staying because. Um, you know, again, internally, they're, they've, you know, squashed all the, the rumors of, uh, no, no, you're here, teams wanted you, but we want to build with you, and that's what Dion will, will move forward with. So, Does he have the captaincy next year? Is he the captain? Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the only way that, uh, I think if he stays here, he's the captain. Uh, if he... Uh, you're not taking the captain away from him and taking and, and keeping him. <laughs> this isn't Rick Vive of 1985. <laughs> no way, it won't work. It'll be they'll they'll basically crucify him. It yeah. would just be the worst thing ever. Can you imagine that? No. He, he, okay. Here's where we're gonna agree to disagree. I'm gonna go online on the radio show here and, and put my neck on the line. Okay. And tell you they're gonna take away the captaincy because Tim Liewicki will not have a captain of leadership that's gonna poison the dressing room like Dion Phaneuf. And, and uh, he's gonna, hang he's on. Gonna take Absolutely, but but uh, Dion's going to remain a Maple Leaf. Well, here's the thing: like on that side, you're actually doing Dion a favor by taking the captaincy away from him because God knows, being in Toronto as a Toronto Maple Leaf, that is a huge responsibility that Dion does not have the tools to deal with. And you're actually going to reward him by taking the attention off of him. It's going to hurt a little bit in the very beginning, but it's like minor surgery. It's going to hurt a little bit for long-term gain. You're going to take the C off him. You're going to give it to somebody who's more worthy. It's going to actually empower everyone in that dressing room. And Dion is actually going to be able to See? just sit back and relax and play defense and not worry about being a captain. This you know is what, what they should have done with with Sundin. Let him be a goal scorer and take the captaincy away. That's what I should have. What they should have done with Sundin. Well, you know what? It happened in uh, San Jose with Marlowe and Thornton. Yeah, and Marlowe's the it worst leader ever. It happened in San Jose, Northern California, on the Monterey Peninsula, when everybody's golfing at Pebble Beach. Yeah, but Marlowe's the worst captain ever. And everyone will tell you that Marlowe is the worst captain ever. He's got no work ethic. He doesn't have a whole lot of leadership. Are just you kidding me? Just because, just because he can put pucks in nets doesn't mean he's a great leader. Like, people standing up who are being leaders are usually not the goal scorers. Right. You're Mark Messier, so even though he scored a few goals. Yeah. But, you know what? I mean, I'd argue and say, okay, do you know Patrick Marlowe chuckles? Chuck well, we're, we're not you texting know, anymore. You know, personally, he may not have the leadership skills that you would like, but one thing I would say about Patrick Marlowe is you look at his history and his career, and in fact, what he's done in his playoff career has everything to say and, and put the exclamation point is that he has delivered year in and year out statistically. Um, whereas the rest of the group has not. So. Hey, listen, and I didn't say that, Oz. I said Patrick Marlowe yeah. is an amazing, talented player. He's right. just not a leader. Okay, that's fine. You so know, that's, he's just, he's, he, he's let, not let him score. He's a good There's, so you can say the same thing about Phil Kessel. He's, yeah, he's, he's the worst leader ever. Right. Like, I would never go, I wouldn't put an A on Phil Kessel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so there you go. Some players just, you, we can't make them more no, than what they are. You, you so have we to accept them. them with what they Absolutely. Are. You said the word there. You have to accept them for who they are and realize that you put an A or a C on Phil Kessel and you just take away his focus on putting pucks in the net and sit there and let him just do what he's good at doing and don't give him leadership because he doesn't have the tools to deal with it. Amen. Yes. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's it's a pleasure as always. I love your insight. I love your candor, and I love how frank you are. And we're going to have you back real soon. Well, I know. And uh, 
believe me, uh, Chuck, uh, you may get more honesty uh, uh, with me as the show goes on. And after July 1st, I can't wait to hear it. Okay. <laughs> you, were care, holding, guys. you were holding back, were you, Mark, today? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> we will catch you. Okay, guys, uh, have a good day, buddy. Okay, see you later, eh? We'll catch you right back here next Wednesday, next Tuesday on Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. Thank you for spending time with Chuck in his infinite world of mojo. If you'd like to get in touch with Chuck or Todd, the email address is feedback at radio that doesn't suck.com or call the feedback line 866-269-6155.